I'm Laura Ortiz, and I've decided that I'm one of the new hosts of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. I'm also known as Benedict Cumberpatch. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin an mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that we will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Side by Saturday night. Good evening, morning, afternoon. It's a podcast. It doesn't really matter what the hell time it is you're listening to it. And welcome to Talkcast 270. This week's edition of Sci-Fi. This week's edition of Tie Fighters. There we go. <laughs> this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Deep in the fortress of solitude in Area 51, enjoying the springtime sleet storm of love. I am Chief Pontificator, the Dome. Joining the Talkcast tonight, the rest of the gang of four. In the Revere Time Vortex, our technical omnivore, she runs everything behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, and she just likes per- pushing virtual buttons. It's her own girl genius, Kriana. I also like pushing physical buttons. I know, but we only have virtual ones here tonight. Almost as much as I like pushing emotional buttons. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say psychological buttons. <laughs> <laughs> From the stacks of her personal space in the dank dungeons, only indoor spring Zen Garden, cultivating pods and peas and purple plants for the third annual Pluto reunification with the rest of the solar system day. It's the Cat Whisperer Sombraria. It's the Cat Whisperer Zombraria. <laughs> It's the cat <laughs> Never mind. We'll get back to her later. She's clearly on the phone with somebody else. From a galaxy not as far away as you might think, our woman in chain mail who is trolling ABC executives on Twitter, harassing them on Facebook, hacking their iPhones and emails, and flooding their MySpace accounts, and that's just not going to work, to renew Agent Carter for a second season, red lipstick and all, Sir Sarah Lady Knight. You forgot obsessively voting in Entertainment Weekly's horrible poll. Entertainment Weekly is the worst, but I need them to win this poll against Heart of Dixie. Who even watches Heart of Dixie? It's Nobody. The, is that nobody. a thing? It's awful. It's yes. It's a, a show thing. about this, what's the little tiny blonde thing? Who is she blonde? <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, she's a doctor and she goes somewhere in the South and has like lots of sex with people, which is like fine. But Mia, my my cat just bit my foot. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> my life is falling apart around me, and my cat is biting me. Evidently, your cat is watching Heart of Dixie. Our guest tonight is a friend of the show who has been a friend since the very beginning. Uh, one of the gentlemen writers of New England, Chris Golden. Chris, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be back, but I also have to say that I feel at this point that I need a, a new appellation. I, I feel like uh, if you're, you know, the dome, then I should be the beard. 
No, I, I don't know. I, it, it just seems that, right. that means that means other things, Chris. <laughs> no, I know, but you know. <laughs> yeah, okay, just just I could, making I could sure be, there. I could be your I could be your beard, Kriana. <laughs> <laughs> But only for the next two months until Zombrian and I get married. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> I think actually in that in that reference it's a Merkin, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> I think you may well be right. Cool. Anyhow, Chris has been with us since the very beginning of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Has brought a bunch of people to the table with him whenever he comes on, and he has the the golden ticket for whatever that's uh-huh. <laughs> oh, oh. It's to come on to Sci-Fi Saturday Night simply by saying Dome, I want to be on, and he's in, and we're going to be talking. With Chris. Dome, turn me on, <laughs> Brianna. Hey now. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Mm, yeah. Before the show today. Yeah. She's been at the catnip, evidently, with your cat. Yeah, right? <laughs> so in the second half of the show, we'll be talking about all things Chris Golden. But first, the news. Yeah, I was not ready for that this time. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Anyway. Shall I do that again? Nah. Damn it. No, I have not. No, I have not. I'll play back the tape. You know know what? You know what? Go ahead. Creepy laughing children to you. Why? Why? Why would you do that? I think it's awesome. Mm. So this week, because we were off last week for obvious reasons. I don't know what those were, but they were clearly obvious. (laughs) So we have this week's worth of stuff to talk about. And before we talk about the the last two agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which were, by the way, phenomenal. Oh, my God. In in news that is somewhat sad and, and somewhat annoying as hell, uh, David Lynch walked away from season three of Twin Peaks, which was just being put together on Showtime. Now, <clears throat> the cast of Twin Peaks, and I guess all of, or a good portion of the original cast, was coming back for this season three, was not happy that he left. And evidently there was something between him and Showtime for whatever reason. I so think the cast said something about how they weren't willing to pay him enough for the story that he wanted to do. Yeah, I got the impression that it was just about money, you guys. And I'm going to jump right in here, as I always do, and, say, and, and say, who cares? I loved the first season of Twin Peaks. I thought the second season of Twin Peaks was boring and totally confusing and didn't go anywhere, and the movie didn't make it any better. The, well, it was a prequel anyway. But it made no sense to me whatsoever. The, the second season, especially the finale, was probably one of the worst letdowns in the history of American television. So good riddance to Ed Lynch. Do not make another Twin Peaks season. Thank you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Killing it right there. You know... Really, Chris, it's a shame that you hold back as much as you do. 
<laughs> I, I really think, you know, you need to open up more. You need to express your opinions. Well, you know, I'm, I'm shy and retiring, guys. You know that. <laughs> I mean, for me, yeah, Firewalk With Me was not a great movie. And as a prequel, it made very little sense in the grand scheme of all things Twin Peaks. Loved season one, kind of meh about season two, didn't like the movie, was looking forward to see where Lynch was going to go with this. The reality is it doesn't look like it's going to go anywhere at this point because if Lynch walks away from it, then a lot of the cast is not going to become involved with it. So the cast put together a, a video, and essentially the video is uh, oh, just just a, a weird idea in which each, each of the cast members says, Twin Peaks without David Lynch is like, and then goes on from that point. Uh, it's interesting. It's kind of muddying the waters at this point. Either we're going to make it or we're not. And if we make it, I hope it's good. And if it's not good, then everybody's going to have a great laugh if it gets made. So I don't know. I mean, Chris, you and I are old enough to, you know, remember. Yeah, I, mean, look, I remember I was in, I don't remember where I was. I think I was in high school when the first one came on. It might have been in eighth grade. I don't remember, but I just remember the first episode was one of the greatest things I'd ever seen. And, uh, and that whole first season was tremendous. And then I really feel like if they make a season three, it should be subtitled the apology. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I just, you know, whereas like the X-Files, they're coming back with a new X-Files and, uh, you know, uh, I'm excited about that because, uh, you know, I do feel like they'll just pretend that they made sense before. Um, you know, because Chris Carter held on way longer before admitting, well, he didn't ever really admit it, but before letting the rest of us in on the fact that he had no idea what his story was about. Um, you he know, I love theme to the point where we all sat there and went, what theme are we dealing with this week? And yeah, well, no, they went and made the X-Files movie and in the, in the X-Files movie, you know, I went to that movie thinking, okay, here we go. We're going to finally learn what the big secret is behind the whole conspiracy that's running behind everything in the show. And when that happened, I just stopped watching because I knew he didn't know. He had no answer. You know, at least the guys who make boss, they didn't know what they were doing. They were making it up as they went. At least they figured it out and they created a conclusion. not happy with the way they ended up lost, but at least they made a story that made sense. Some you know what the, the best thing about the X-Files was? The Long Gunman. Yeah, the Long Gunman was fun. The Long Gunman was fun. I mean, that fed into everybody's conspiracy theory 100%. And that's all it ever was. It never pretended anything else. They spun it off for half a season and carried it off beautifully. And, of course, because they did, it got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Gillian Anderson fan now. I don't know if you guys have watched The Fall, um, which is a show about a, 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 a cop in Ireland. Northern Ireland, I think. And, uh, and boy, she's phenomenal in that. It's great. Really? Check it out. Yeah. I've never never uh, heard of that. So we're going to have to look it up. about it. What was 
I've been hearing good things about it. I just got um, it just got recommended to me by a bunch of people on Facebook. I yeah. Show and they were, I was like, what should I watch? Next? And a handful of people were like, you should watch The Fall. Yeah, it's terrific. I mean, it's it's a great example of of that kind of storytelling. Really good. Well, Sarah, she's she's, uh, she's becoming she's becoming more attractive as she ages, uh, whereas David Duchovny is not. Oh, okay. yeah. But then he's again, not, I, I just saw too bad. Possibly the I met worst him movie at three years ago, two years ago, something. Um, and he didn't look bad. Just Julian Anderson is definitely aging perfectly. Yeah, well, look, I'm claiming I'm aging well. I mean, yeah, I'm, my, my, <laughs> point is that, my point is that he looks yeah. like he's, you know, he's getting older and, and all the typical things are happening to him, whereas she's getting older and she actually looks prettier, I think. Um, yeah. But, of course, it isn't about that. It's, you know, she's a terrific actor. But anyway. Uh, she, she just did this horrible film with Ben Kingsley called Robot Overlords. And it's <laughs> not. She absolutely is that, did. Is that true, or did you just make that up? I swear <laughs> to God, I couldn't make it up. It was that bad a movie. Oh, my God. I wonder what someone had over her that she would have made that movie with Ben Kingsley. But okay. I'm not asking why Ben Kingsley some movies that you make where you just go, you know what? I'm making it. Whatever. <laughs> Maybe it's a good paycheck. It sounds like she lost a bet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. His kids save the earth from robot overlords and an evil Ben Kingsley. It was, <laughs> wow, it was like 84 minutes of just, I'm never getting this money back. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sarah, I yeah. suppose it's time to let you talk about all things Marvel. Yeah. Um, so this week, uh, there were some trailers for Age of Ultron released. And I just, you guys, Black Widow is going to be the death of me. I'm going to, I'm going to go see Age of Ultron and Natasha Romanoff is going to exist. And I'm just going to die. Just immediately die. But What's the problem? Just Wait, because you love her or because you hate her? Because she's too wonderful and I don't know how to live with it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she, on a motorcycle... Cap drops his shield, whatever, someone kicks it out of his hand. She scoops it up and then gets over to him, like slides on her mo motorcycle under a bus and then just throws it up to him, just like real casual. And I'm like, what? what? How? How are you so perfect? Nobody <laughs> well, look, the best Nobody thing about knows. Scarlett Johansson as a Black Widow is that in, yeah. every single frame, in every single frame that she's in, you can tell she's just putting up with the presence of the boys. Oh, my God, right? She's like, Ugh, <laughs> I'm always picking up after you. And I'm like, yeah, she's just like you're going to slay me. You're going to slay me. I'm going to die. <laughs> she's amazing. Um, she's pretty uh, awesome. What are we, like, yeah, a month like, away what? Are we like a month away from Ultron at this point? A le less than a month. Than a less than a month. But guys, we can we just say that, you know, Daredevil starts any day now. And the reviews have been amazing. It's on Friday. It's yeah. on Netflix on yeah. Friday. So next podcast we'll be talking about this. Yeah. 
be exciting too. I haven't even really thought about that because I've been too busy yelling about Black Widow and about Sky. <laughs> so we should talk about Sky this. But look, if we're talking about Age Ultron, we really need to talk about uh, whether or not Captain Marvel is going to show up at the end of the movie. Whether or not what? Whether or not we think Captain Marvel is going to show up at the end of the movie. And who might be playing Captain Marvel? See, because that's my... I, I, think, my I think at the end of this movie, they're going to show a random pink-skinned alien, because last time it was purple. Mm, interesting. <laughs> well, no, no, so no. I, two, I have two things with that. The first okay. thing is that Joss Whedon has just said that he is not having an end scene after the credits, which I think is bullshit. Well, wait, 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 that's actually thing, not... Go ahead, sorry. No, the second thing is that they have said that Captain Marvel will not make an appearance in Age of Ultron. So, or I, I think that there are two things there. Firstly, Kevin Bake from Marvel did say that there was a mid-credit scene. There was just not an end-credit scene. So there is a scene okay, so in the credits. Okay. We don't know that the Falcon and the Black Panther both appear in this movie. And we suspect mm-hmm. that at the end of the movie, we might see Doctor Strange. Uh, and if they've said categorically that Captain Marvel will be in the movie, that not mean that Carol Danvers, who is Captain Marvel, will not be in the movie. Interesting. So and it I, also doesn't mean that she won't be in the end credits scene, because maybe that doesn't count as part of the movie itself as a whole. But yeah, yeah. So I, I will be I will be really surprised if we don't see Carol Danvers. Question yeah, is who's I, playing I'm, Carol I'm really Danvers? For it. Yeah. Well, I was hoping for Jen Lockman, but then now she's in Agents of Shield, which is spectacular. But now I'm hoping for Katie Sackhoff. Yeah. I mean, look. As far as I'm concerned, anybody other than Katie Sackhoff will be a letdown. It's just a matter of how much of a letdown. Yeah. The rumor, <laughs> the rumor, the rumor mill is, said. Is perfect. Yeah, the rumor mill said Emily Blunt, but we'll see. Uh, Emily Blunt is kind of uh, has a forgettable face and is boring. I don't even remember what I've seen her in because I forget about her life. <laughs> she was in Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise last year, and that was pretty good. I did not have any interest in seeing that um, because I cared so little about Tom Cruise. <laughs> It's fine. Yeah, it's a shame we don't have a, a lot of opinions here. Basically, <laughs> what <laughs> opinions? No, I don't know what those are. <clears throat> well, Speaking interestingly, opinions, I have a lot of opinions about this new. Well, actually, I, I kind of have a lack of opinions. No, that's not true. I have an opinion about how necessary this new boring white boy is on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. What is his name? Nobody <laughs> knows. Nobody knows because as Chris so eloquently said at the beginning of the show, of course, before we were recording, he kind of looks like he might be the fourth Hemsworth brother. But we don't need another one of those. We already have Chris Hemsworth. We don't need a boring lookalike to be Sky's like, guide. I don't care. I'm bored by him. He's unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, look, that show has a lot of great characters in it. And, wait, 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 uh, are you talking about Gordon, the guy with no eyes? No, 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 no. the young oh, guy. Who was on. Okay, 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 I haven't seen that one yet, because Gordon was really cool. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, Gordon's great, and he's mysterious, and he's kind of like Nightcrawler light, and I'm okay with that because Nightcrawler is my favorite. Yeah, Zombrina and I were saying that when he first showed up. We're like, he's kind of exactly Nightcrawler, but blind. Yep. Yes. And, and, and he blue. does not say Nightcrawler or <laughs> does not have a tail. As far as you know. As yeah, that we've seen. That is a very good point. Good point. I will, well, look, I will I mean, keep a more open mind. Yeah, I mean, I actually think that that is a show that literally gets better with almost every episode. Um, you know, I, I think that the addition of uh, Adrian Palicki as Mockingbird and uh, of I don't know the name of the actor who plays Hunter. I think they're great characters. Nick uh, Blood. Simmons. How can you forget that name? His name is Nick Blood. <laughs> Nick sorry, Blood. Okay. Yeah. And and Nick Henry Blood. Simmons, who Literally. plays who plays Mac, yep. is uh, is an actor. He was on NYPD Blue for a while. He was terrific on that, and he has not aged a day since. He's, he's really good as well. So I think they've done it, you know, and look, the return of our, our buddy, Jay August Richards this week was oh uh, a, a wonderful. Oh, that was amazing. That was amazing. And the return of Deacon Lockman, I screamed. I actually like shrieked when she came back because, you know, <laughs> last we saw her, she was a little bit eviscerated. Um, and now she's back. And I mean, just I slightly, slightly is, I mean, I guess it makes sense because her power is immortality, but you don't really expect someone to come back from complete evisceration. Because that's a little extreme. Just a little bit, though. But anyway, Deacon Lockman and Jagus Richards being back was spectacular. So good. <laughs> it, I mean, seriously, it's a shame it wasn't uh, a better episode, but... <laughs> yeah, I know. We well, listen, the, the only... Say about it. Yeah, I mean, the only superhero show on TV that's better, actually, is The Flash. You don't even yeah, know, Barry. You don't even know! <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's what, that's what I know. say whenever we watch The Flash. That's, 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 what, that's like, what Ollie says to Barry in our heads. That's what Ollie says to Barry on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, you don't even know, Barry! My <laughs> parents are dead! Yeah. And Barry's like, my mom's dead. My dad's in jail for not murdering her. <laughs> Well, I gotta tell you, I have angst, Barry. God, my daughter and I are are enormous elicity shippers. Uh, We need Oliver and Felicity together. Wait, no, Oliver and Felicity? No. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, Barry and Felicity. Come on. Barry and Felicity. No, no, no. (laughs) No. We're 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 gonna disagree on this one. We're just gonna disagree. That's all right. Not no. the list Adam guy there in the in the and let's, uh, let's just costume? get that straight. What? No, Brent. No, no, no. Not not with the Adam. Not with Ray. No. <laughs> Can we just get it straight though that Oliver is not good enough for Felicity right now? <laughs> Felicity, Felicity <laughs> is the best character on that show. She's the best character on any show. She's yeah, I amazing. She's the I best love character. her. The reason I kept watching for so long, like I, I stuck with it for her, and then I just couldn't do it anymore. But she was definitely the best part of that show. But when she crossed over yeah. into the Flash, it was so cute. Oh, babies! <laughs> <laughs> no, she's great. She's, she's fantastic. Wait, I can go with the and and you guys. 
She's 22 years old. What? I just want to let that sink in. The actress Wait, is 22 is years old. She's 22. She's not 22. Is she really? Yeah. I think 23. I think she's younger than Chloe Bennett, who's 23. No, she's 23. Um, yeah, so she's 23 years old. She was born in 1991. What? She was born um, in 1990. She is. She's older than Chloe Bennett because Chloe Bennett is 22 and she's born in 1992. I'm still not uh, both of the thing because they're good at life and they're younger than wow. all of us. Well, I, uh, well, you know. I'm depressed. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. So sorry. I have to say, my life is at Phoenix Comic Con last year, Stephen Amell was a, a cool dude. He was he was very cool. He was, Stephen Amell. Uh, yeah, he was very cool. Lovely. Yeah. No, I think he's great. I just think Oliver Queen is the most boring character I've ever seen in my life, and I don't care about him or his man pain. Because he's boring. His man pain. He has so much man pain. I'm like, I don't care. But, but Stephen Amell is a champion. So last last year, this last standing Comic-Con at Nerd HQ, his panel was first thing in the morning on Sunday. And he slipped through half of it. And he showed up half an hour late. And he had to catch a plane, like, maybe an hour after the panel. But what he did, because he was really late, is he stayed um, after the panel and was like, every single person who's in this panel with me can get a photo of me. I have to leave at, you know, in 45 minutes, but let's go with you. Let's get everyone through because I fucked up. I was half an hour late for the panel. And he didn't have to do that. And he almost was just playing because of it, but he did it. So Stephen Amell is an A-plus dude. He just played a different character. Yeah, right now, I'm a little bit behind on Arrow. I'm slowly catching up. A little bit behind? I'm in the middle of season two. (laughs) You just started season two. I'm in the middle of season two. I'm in the middle of season two. And right now, I'm totally rooting for Slade because he's such a more interesting character. (laughs) Everyone's more interesting. Every single person. That's and true. I was like, well, I would catch up. The reason I, the reason I, and it'll be the Black Canary show. The reason I think you should catch up is because I read today that there's a massive character death at the end of season three. So <gasps> you know the internet, you know the internet is going to spoil it for you. So you should probably. You know. I know that's part of why I'm working to catch up. I just they killed off their bisexual lady, and I'm kind of like, well, now. I, I don't really want to be associated with you. Sorry, spoilers. Yeah, yeah. I told Just you that today, I Just while I was eating lunch, she was making out with a hot assassin. She's dead now? Yeah, no, they, they killed her. And I was like, well, there goes all of my interest. Any remaining well, interest. Like, even Felicity, uh, as magical as she is, cannot keep me on the show. Apparently... Does she come back? Tell me if she comes back. Well, they're, you know, they're doing this show that's team-up show that has yeah, Firestorm and Adam, and she's, Katie Lutz is going to be on that show, uh, and they won't yeah. say what character she's playing, but, but uh, be, yeah, so, it may be that she's some version of that character, or maybe she's, like, you know, because one of the characters of the show is a time traveler, so it may be that she's, yeah. like, you know, Sarah from prior to that episode, or something. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I like I want to believe, but at the same time, I'm like, can we stop killing off queer people? Can we stop killing off ladies from campaign? Like, it, it's got two things for me. It's killing off queer people and fridging ladies. And those are like, together at the same time. I'm like, I don't, I'm, I can't, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Well, although you know, to be I, fair to the show, if I was true to myself and held that stance, I should have stopped watching Shields when they killed off Isabel Hartley, even though they didn't officially say that she was queer on the show because they, quote, didn't want to be known as the show that killed off two queer ladies, which they did. So I should shut up. Wait, who was the other? Who was the other? Um, Victoria Hand. Uh, who actually in the comics is in a relationship with Isabel Hartley. <gasps> Gasp. We oh, could have had no. it all. But really, they just couldn't afford Lucy Lawless for more that than was, 10 yeah. minutes. Like, yeah, exactly. Have her play someone else. I don't know. It just, it, that makes me mad. But they do such great things like dealing with this changing mental state. And I don't know. So I'm, I'm a hypocrite, but at least I'll admit to that. Well, I'm I'm waiting for Felicity to hook up with uh, Ra's al Ghul's daughter, Talia. No. Yes. I don't see yes. it. I don't see I don't it. care. Yeah, don't that that. Yeah. I don't know. I think think that uh um you know, Felicity could work, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. She you know. But anyway, she's definitely there you go. the coolest character of the bunch. So hey, you know what's a segue? Oh, let's hear the one. That was a segue into I want to talk about something now. It's very important. Very, very important. It was just brought to my attention today that Disney has succumbed to pressure they've been under since the mid-90s. To do what? They've acquired the rights to Anastasia. Oh my god! So now nobody can, like, I have had this conversation more times than I want to admit (laughs) and explain to more people than I want to admit that no, Anastasia was made by 20th Century Fox. She's not a Disney princess. It's not a Disney movie. That's why she doesn't show up on any of the Disney princess stuff. Um, That's about to change. (laughs) It's about to change. Disney has acquired Anastasia. Their big plan is that they're going to turn it into a live-action movie. I am upset because the best thing about that movie is Bartok the Bat. Okay. And you can't train a bat. How are they going to have a live-action bat? You can't do it. Out of love and respect for you, I will not argue that that is the best thing about the movie. Well, that and the animation style is is beautiful and much better than Disney's. And anything that sparkles in that movie is just gorgeous, especially her crown. And I die every time I see it because I am an eight-year-old girl at heart. And anything that sparkles is the best. But so bat- when it comes out, will you see it? I will. I will see it just like I'm going to see The Beauty and the Beast with Emma Watson. 
just like I'm going to see live action Mulan, which is also happening. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, Disney's basically making live action everything at this yeah, point. Yeah, Disney was like, okay, so Cinderella was a success, live action everything. Lord. Yeah, yeah no question. They're doing it all. They're going through one of their live action phases like they did in the 70s, like late 60s 70 and 70s with Bed Knob and Broomstick and Escape. Was Escape to Witch Mountain Disney? I think it yes. was. And yeah, it was. Bang, yeah. bang, and all that stuff. And yes. Mary Poppins, all of those. Yeah. Well, and now, you know, between Star Wars and Marvel, you know, they now own everything. You know, they, they, they are making so much money that, uh, you know. They pretty much they are. <laughs> Basically, yeah. though, if they don't have George Takei and um, <laughs> Pat Morita in the live action Mulan, the world is wrong. Well, as long as they don't have Eddie Murphy as the voice of a dragon, we're all good. Dishonor on yeah. you, dishonor on your cow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how are they going to do that? What yeah. if it's I don't know. animated? That character will be hanging out with Bartok. <laughs> Bartok the bat is flawless. Don't even compare him to that dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, and the cricket, how are they going to you know, do the cricket? We all have these things from our childhood that we know are really actually terrible, but we love them anyway. Not, yes. that, I'm, not that I'm casting aspersions on Bartok the Bat, but... It's okay. Hey, Zombrarian. What? You know what else is a really, really good segue? What? That yes. one that you just this did? This one. <laughs> do it. Go. Gmail came in today with the newest story bundle. And Jason, I'm castigating you once again for not warning us ahead of time. But the latest story bundle to hit, hit this morning, which is the Dynamite Ultimate Heroes All Comic Bundle. Okay. And it looks amazing. Uh, in, the, in the base section of it is Project Superpowers by Alex Ross. Uh, legendary, uh, the Bill Willingham steampunk adventure. Uh, Red Sonia Unchained, the complete Alice in Wonderland collection with uh, Leah Moore. Uh, Kriana, Bob's Burgers. Yee! But... <laughs> and uh, there's actually 20 books in the uh, in the bundle. It's kind of really cool. Uh, the one that I love in the bonus section is the Art of Ramona Freyden, uh, which has been edited by Robert Greenberger, and that's actually a book I've wanted to buy for an awfully long time because uh, Ramona's art is just amazing. And there's also a George R. 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 Martin Game of Thrones book. Just saying. Cool. Uh, so check out storybundle.com. This is the newest Ultimate Heroes bundle. It ends in 21 days, four hours and 24 minutes from now. And we're good to go. So before we get to talking about everything, Chris, anybody else have anything they want to get? Really quickly. Go for it. Someone who loves me may, not actually someone who loves me, but someone who knows my heart 
made a supercut of all of Sterling Archer's uh, pretentious literary references, and it's beautiful, and I love it. The end. Amazing. <laughs> my video of the week. Don't watch Actually. it now, because you'll kill the bandwidth for the call, but once the show's done... <laughs> Okay. And now for 20 minutes with somebody incredibly cool who we have on like every year or so, I think. There we And because every year there's there's new shit going on in the world of, of Chris Golden. And and there's when when I found out, you know, that I wanted we wanted to get you back on the show, the first thing that you mentioned was I, I'm going to be at the World Horror Convention. And not only that, you're the guest of honor there. Yeah, I'm a guest of honor. I'm not the only guest of honor, well, but I am. It's, it's the actually, it's the 25th annual, the 25th annual World Horror Convention. And, uh, and I am honored to be one of those guests. That will be in Atlanta, May 7th through the 10th. And, and I've got to tell you, nothing shocked me more than thinking that you're a horror writer because for me you, that's never a part of the rep, your repertoire that I was a part of. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, you know it's it, it's it's really interesting actually because I talk about this all, all the time and I think I said it to you before that um, Mike Bignola said to me one time that he really thought that I was born in the wrong era that I should have been a pulp writer back in the, in the heyday of pulps. And uh, some people would take offense at that, I guess, but, uh, but uh, I know he meant it as a compliment and I took it as one because, you know, those guys can write anything. Um, and so while I, I write, you know, fantasy and mystery and comics and science fiction and all kinds of stuff, uh, I always say that horror people are my people. And that's because really growing up, I was a horror guy. You know, I read horror fiction constantly and I watched horror movies and I grew up on reruns of Kolchak the Night Stalker and the Twilight Zone. And, um, you know, I mean, that was my bread and butter always. And when I started out, it was the horror people that I followed and, and a lot of the, you know, most of my, not most of, but a good chunk of my writer friends are the horror guys and horror ladies. And uh, um, a ton of what I've written, if you go back through, is either horror or horror-infused. You know, it's horror and dark fantasy and stuff like that. And even in the fantasy, I think there, there are horror elements. So uh, it is the, uh, the through line, I guess, in all of my work. Um, so, yeah. So even though I've written all kinds of stuff that isn't horror, uh, that's definitely my tribe. And, and, I mean, you've won a Bram Stoker Award. Yeah, weirdly, I, I won the Stoker uh, in 1992 for my very first book, which was not a novel. It was a, uh, a nonfiction book of essays about horror movies by horror writers. Wow. Uh, that I edited. I put that book together, and I, I won that. I've been, I've been nominated for Stokers since then, but that was the one that I won. That was that was my very first book a million years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And, and I was I was. I'm sorry. This may be a weird opinion, but it never occurred to me that you weren't a horror writer because vampires. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, um, no, the vampires Octavia, are soft yeah. and cuddly and sparkly. Yeah, no. Smack no. her. <laughs> no. Which, which is actually said sense You know what else segues. is soft and cuddly, Sarah? You know what else is soft and what? cuddly? The Christian Grey what? teddy bear. Ah! <laughs> oh, no, you had to bring it up. You know, for weeks after that, I kept getting Facebook ads for that fucking teddy bear. <laughs> I kept sending the angry messages. Oh, man. I'm sorry, please continue talking about vampires that aren't sparkly and awful. <laughs> no, no, I mean, no. Or, or Christian Grey. Um, oh, <laughs> no, I, if, you know, I, this, the, actually the segue from vampires that aren't cuddly uh, or sparkly is, uh, is that I have an anthology coming out in October uh, whose entire purpose is to uh, harken back to the heyday when vampires were nasty horrific things and uh it's called seize the night new tales of vampiric terror and uh and i've got stories in there from uh just a um a litany of of fantastic writers um including uh john and i never know how to pronounce his middle name john avjade linkfist the guy who wrote uh, um, let the right one in uh, oh. and scott smith who wrote the ruins uh, and you know, just a, a, a list. I mean, you, you can you can go look at the amazing list of people who are in this book, and um, and also got some people who are maybe uh, you know more familiar as writers of of vampires who might not be quite as nasty, like Sherilyn Kenyon and Charlene Harris, uh, who wrote nasty stories for me. Um, so yes, yeah, so we've got. Uh, it's a, it's a terrific. I mean, I've written, I've edited probably nine anthologies at this point, or ten, and this one I think is absolutely the best one. So uh, I'm I'm really excited about it. Talk to me a little bit about the difference between writing a book and editing an anthology. Uh, editing an anthology is sort of like curating a museum. Um, you know, although in this case, rather than just gathering up existing artifacts, you're, you're creating them, you know, and what I do in cases like this is I, I go out to writers, uh, I admire and, and from whom I would like to see something specific. And I say, Hey, I have this idea. And, uh, and I think that it would be something cool that you might want to be involved in. And, uh, you know, in a case like this, it's it's always interesting because I know Charlene pretty well, and I I'm a huge fan, uh, you know, of the Stackhouse novels. I I love them. I've read them all, and I've read a number of other books. Uh, but uh, so I liked, and I've, I've actually written a trilogy of graphic novels with Charlene called Cemetery Girl. And didn't that what? also win a prize? Uh, didn't it get a uh, an Eisner? No. Uh, no, but it did reach number one in the New York Times bestseller list. That's what it was. I knew it was <laughs> something there. But the cool Sorry. thing, the cool thing about about doing stuff like this is I can go to Charlene and other people, but in particular to to, to her with, in this case, and say, you know, I would like to see something that's a horror story, something that that really you know is unsettling. Um, and Charlene is someone who literally is capable of writing in any genre. Um, and has proven that. And, and, uh, and so she likes a challenge, um, as do so many of the people who are involved in, in this, uh, 
in this book. So, yeah, so I'm thrilled. I mean, I think it came out, uh, came out just fantastic. When you put a, an anthology together, when you get an idea for one, is it your idea? Does somebody come to you with an idea? Uh, it has happened before. Um, the New Dead actually came about. The, the, the first anthology I did for St. Martin's Press came about because I was approached by them. Uh, they, you know, the zombie thing was hot and they wanted to do a zombie anthology. And my response was, that's boring because there are a million zombie things out right now. Um, if you want to do this, what I would want to do is explore why zombie fiction is so popular right now. And, uh, and we sort of, I went into sort of the philosophy of why I thought it was. Um, and that's where the new dead came from. Um, and, uh, but, but I've done, I think that was the only time that that's ever happened that way. So normally it's an idea or a concept that comes from you. Yeah. And usually, then, usually that's how it works. And then you come out and go, I bet I you go, he could do a story like this. Yeah. I go, I go recruit. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's always, uh, it's always interesting to see what you end up with, but, uh, yeah. So then you've got 10 men coming out in June very shortly. Yeah. 10 men could not be more different from all of the stuff we've been talking about. I was just about to say, uh, let's, let's do a, a full 180 right here. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about, you know, the, the, the pulp writer thing, I mean, you know, for me, it's always about the idea. You know, I mean, I just, I, I like, uh, you know, I'm a fan of ideas. And uh, um, I just had, I was thinking about a lot of what's going on in the world and where we're headed and what our future looks like and uh, and what it might look like, which is um, many of those uh, visions of the future are pretty unsettling. Um, and And I was thinking about, how we live in the drone culture now, you know, and what we would it mean? Do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the thing is, you know, what would it mean if, uh, if the United States of America found a way to conduct our wars purely from a distance and we could conduct our military, uh, exercises and endeavors without putting, uh, American soldiers physically in harm's way. And what if we could do it cheaper than we do it now? And what if we could do it guaranteeing fewer civilian casualties where we're intervening in the world? Um, I think and fear that for better or worse, if we could do all of those things, we absolutely would. And when the United Nations and other nations said, no, you shouldn't do that, I suspect that there would be lots of instances where we would act unilaterally. Because, you know, if if the American public were, were offered the option of, uh, you know, hey, we're scared the shit out of you with what's going on in the world right now, but you know what? We have a way of, of fixing this problem uh, for, you know, low cost and no chance of American casualties and lower civilian casualties. Um, I'm not, I'm not championing, championing this, by the way, but uh, I do think that we would just say, sure, let's go for it. And, Actually, that's what happened in what happened in this story. Um, it's set in the near future uh, after this has taken place, and the U.S. is sort of unilaterally intervening in uh, uh, in places all around the world. And suffice to say that there are lots of people who are unhappy about it. Um, and the Tin Men are are 
uh, are robots being sort of remotely piloted by American soldiers. And it turns out to be way more complicated than that. And uh, bad shit happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of getting the feeling bad shit's going to happen. So you're basically looking at what's happening now going, let's take a couple more steps in this direction and see where it brings us. Yeah, and well, and, and again, I mean, the, that that that's the the plot element, but the backdrop of it is is also you know reflective of what's going on with, you know, look at the drought in California right now. Um, if the drought continues, uh, which it shows no signs of of stopping, you know, if things continue to be as bad as they are right now, we're going to have a massive effect on uh, American agriculture. And if we get into a position where we have to choose whether or not we keep food here or send it abroad, which we send a lot of food abroad right now, we're going to keep the food here. And if we don't send that food abroad, you're going to have food riots all over the world. You know, um, there are, and, 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 you know, climate change is, is definitely continuing to have and is going to continue to have massive effects on global economy. You know, we can adapt. You know, there are lots, you know, um, the people who have the least will suffer the most, no question. But more or less, we can, we're going to be able to adapt to a lot of things, um, but not without suffering massive economic upheavals. And, uh, and, and so all of those things are in the background of, of this book. Um, it's not a book about politics. It's a book that's a you know, uh, science fiction, sort of near-future military thriller. Uh, but all of that sort of, uh, you know... Plays into it. Yeah, all of that speculation is part of the story. Well, that that's horrifying. <laughs> yeah, it is. It absolutely is. And Baltimore, your, your comic series, Baltimore, has a, a new miniseries which begins next month. Yeah, it actually begins... Uh, the day before the World Horror Convention, uh, and it is—it's uh, interesting because we're, this is Volume Six of Baltimore that's coming up, which is the Cult of the Red King. And uh, uh, you know, Mike Mignola yells at me every time I say this, but you can actually start reading the series with the first issue of the Cult of the Red King and get caught up. And it's a great place to come on because we're really sort of this is the beginning of the third act, and we're sort of headed toward eventually toward the ending of the story, but, uh, but you can jump in now and it's a, it's a perfectly good place to do that. And every time I say that, Mike says, but you should go back and start with volume one. <laughs> and, well, of uh, course you should. Yes. Yeah. But you can, you can pick up with the first issue of the cult of Red King and, and no question in my mind that, uh, that Baltimore is, you know, absolutely the greatest thing I've ever done in comics. I've dabbled in comics for years, but, and that series was nominated for an Eisner, wasn't it? It was nominated, yes, absolutely. Um, I think it was nominated for more than one, but I can't remember. Um, yeah, and that series also was the New York Times bestseller. Gee, you know, um, it's a shame you don't have the success for all the work that you do. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, it sounds like I do, but if you saw my bank account, uh, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Success can be evaluated in many ways. And, uh, and, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you how success is actually evaluated. When, when I look at a book that's got your name on it, I'm immediately drawn to it. It doesn't matter what genre it is. 
That's the hook. Excellent. I know. Because you know it's going to be awesome. That's... You just know it's going right. to be awesome. Well, that's the success that matters the most, you know. You know so what? I'm... You know what, HBO? Screw that hack, George Stupidhead. <laughs> he can't write to save his life. He can't. It's the truth. Hey, listen, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. Uh, if HBO wants to do Baltimore, I will absolutely create a character to, ple- to be played by Peter Dinklage. No problem at all. <laughs> Peter Dinklage is the best. In, in fact, as far as I'm concerned, Peter Dinklage can play Baltimore. That's fine with me. That's how much I love Peter Dinklage. It'll be oh like a God. one-man show. <laughs> exactly. Yes. That sounds we'll amazing. Do, we'll do, wait, we'll do Baltimore on Broadway with, with oh Peter Dinklage God. doing it as, oh as Baltimore God. the one-man show. You Peter heard it Dinklage here first. You heard it here play, first. Yeah, Peter Dinklage can play all the parts. Jeez, that would just, like, blow the world. Let me ask you, okay... I have asked in the six years we've been doing this show some incredibly stupid questions over the years. <laughs> I own that. It's, it's, it's what I do. And I think I'm about to ask another one. But I'm hoping our friendship... I'm hoping our friendship... Will, will well, be able with, to I have to say, with this build-up, it better be really stupid or I'll be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> You've got, in the span of the next four months, four projects moving into the public. Uh, how do you parse the time out to do it? Do you work one from beginning to end? Do you do pieces of one, then move to another? Well, that's uh, not a stupid question. It, it that's a... Okay, good. I'm glad. <laughs> How do you, how do you I'm make a, that I'm dis- disappointed, though. So while I'm answering the question, you should come up with something really stupid. No, I... <laughs> you, know, look, you uh, fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... Listen, I finished Tin Men. Uh, I finished the first draft of Tin Men over a year and a half ago. Um, that is not common. I mean, usually, like, I, I finished Dead Ringers, which is my horror novel coming out in November... I finished that in um, first week of uh, February. No, first week of March, I delivered that. Uh, and it's coming out in November. That's also not typical. Usually it's somewhere in between, you know. Um, it's usually about a year or so, I guess. Um, so, but just to give you an idea, so, you know, Tin Men comes out in June, but that's been done by the time it comes out. It'll have been done in its final form for a year and a half, and Dead Ringers comes out in November. That's only been done in its final form since last month. Um, and that's just coincidence. It just sort of happened that way. Um, the second Cemetery Grove volume comes out uh, in October, November, or September. I can't remember which at this point, but, you know, at the end, in the fall. Uh, but the script for that has been done since way early last year, but it's been being illustrated this whole time. Um, the anthology is something I edited, so I didn't write those stories. I just edited them. Uh, and, uh, you know, Baltimore. So basically right now I'm, I'm, I'm about to begin tomorrow. I'm beginning a new novel that I can't really tell you about. Um, and you be just, at some point? Yes, at some point I will tell you all about it. But, I, but, but with that novel that I'm beginning, I'm juggling writing comics for Dark Horse, uh, some of which are Baltimore and some of which are 
the thing that I keep referring to on Facebook as the Mignola secret project. Um, <clears throat> so, so basically, I'm, I, I'm juggling comics and one novel. That's what I'm doing right now. So, you know, it just depends on what you're doing at any given time. I mean, do you, do you walk into your, what I assume is this comfortable spot where you do your writing and there's files uh, sitting on your desk and you look around and you go, which one do I feel? No, 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 no. You don't? No. Okay. No, no, no. I mean, look, I mean, at any given time I'm working on a novel and that is always the number one most important thing I'm working on, except the, when the editor, my editor at Dark Horse, Chantel, is, is like, uh, dude, you're late with this script. And I'm like, oh, yes. And, and uh, you know, or I owe somebody a short story. And, I'm, you know, I, I try to keep those deadlines uh, in my head. And I'm, I'm, I've been pretty good with the Dark Horse stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, you know, so I'm, I'm basically, you know, focused on the things that uh, are due. And the novels take a really long time, you know, they're, they're a, a, a time-consuming thing. So when I say that they're always my number one priority, it's because if you let it go <laughs> for a couple of weeks, screwed, you know what I mean? You just you have to kind of keep chipping away at it constantly, yeah. you know? So it's never, um, you know, you basically, you, 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 the other stuff sort of goes, fits it around the edges of, of whatever novel I'm working on at any given time. The new series of Baltimore <clears throat> begins in a couple of weeks. After that, Tin Men comes out in June. After that, the anthology Sees the Night comes out in October. And in November, Dead Ringers comes out. And you can see them at the World Horror Convention in a couple of weeks. It's a shame you don't have anything to plug, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to do better next time, though. I would really appreciate it. Chris God, Bowden, why I don't you do anything? Really? <laughs> Once again, the golden ticket is yours whenever you want it. All you have to do is drop us a line, come in and talk to us about anything or nothing. You're always welcome here. Chris, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thank you. I just am happy to talk about all the geek stuff, you guys. All the geeks belong to us. Well, next week we have Steve Roman talking about something. Um, I don't know what, because it ain't on the calendar. And then, the new at the end... The Sweetback book. Ah, okay. Well, I had no idea. And on May 30th, uh, Steve Perry of Rhode Island Comic Con is going to come by and tell us what we should expect this year. Sir Sarah? Hopefully not raining inside. Uh, <laughs> the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, Rhode Island Comic Con, Boston.com, Visit com.com It's always a special pleasure when Chris is here with us. And as I said, anytime, welcome back. Check them out at the World Horror Convention in a couple of weeks if you're in Atlanta. Otherwise, check out some of this amazing work. I want to thank the cast who joined us tonight. From the Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and our woman of work, Sombrarian. Thank you so much, ladies. Yeah, that's what she said. Continuing our own personal galaxy quest, Sir Sarah. Thank you, my dear. 
I forgot to tell you guys that I bought Peggy Carter's lipstick last night. I am so jealous! This I'm is so Don't Say Genie Shared Penis Lesson. Shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. I know.